The sermon for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 63. You'll find it on page 5 in your bulletin. It says, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised. According to all the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses, he said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. This is the word of our Lord. There's an interesting debate that has been going on for decades. Nature versus nurture. How much of who I am is because of my genes that were passed down to me because of my parents, and how much of who I am is is because of my different experiences, my upbringing, my childhood. Some say in the debate that it's a 50-50. Others may side more with the 75-25, saying that, well, no, our, our experiences, our nurture has definitely formed us and made us who we are. It doesn't really matter which side of the debate you may be on. We have to admit that nurture does play a significant role in who we are, and even to the point of the decisions that we make every day can be possibly somehow traced back to the different experiences that we have had in our life. And there's a reason for that. We remember. While you may not be able to remember every last detail of everything that happened to you as a child, those different experiences that you had as a child that you were growing up, they formed you, they made you who you are. As you think about your father, some of you may have wonderful memories of your father, others of you may have horrible memories of your father, and others of you may have absolutely no memory at all of your father. And those different experiences, for better or for worse, formed us into the person that we are today. As you think about the different friends that you may have had. Some of you may have wonderful memories of very good friends who loved you and took care of you. And others of you have horrible memories of good friends who betrayed you. Those different experiences formed us into who we are. Nurture. Today we're looking at a section of Isaiah where we see a prayer that comes from believers to God as they recount and talk about the wonderful kindness and love of a faithful God. So when it comes to nurture, our Heavenly Father was the best. He always provided for us, always gave us everything that we need. And for the Israelites, they recounted all the way back to the time of Moses as he loved them and took care of them, brought them out of slavery in Egypt. And as you look at this, not just here in Isaiah, but in the the verses following this section, It talks about all these specific instances, how he took care of them in the desert, how even when Israel was unfaithful, God remained faithful to them. As far as the Heavenly Father was concerned, as far as nurture for the Israelites, they could not have had a more loving, a more wonderful experience and and upbringing as they considered their loving Heavenly Father. What about you and me? See, that's the experience of the Israelites and how they thought of their loving Heavenly Father. What about us? As we think about this, just this past year of 2013, how did God provide for you? How did he take care of you this past year? And as you 
think through this last year, how he took care of you, how he provided for you, you have to admit that you can only think of really a, a few things, a small percentage, because so many different ways God has provided for us, we don't even realize. We don't even see his protection in so many ways. But, but think about it. How has God provided for you this past year? He gave you a job, helped you so that you would not lose your job this last year. Maybe he provided you with a spouse this last year. Maybe you had a child this last year. He has blessed you in so many different ways just in this last year. As I think back at this last year, 2013, there was not a day that I had this last year where I had to worry about where I was going to get food. My pantry always had something in it this past year. Out of all the worries that I had, I never had to worry about food. So many of these things we take for granted. Our God, our loving Heavenly Father, has always provided for us. He has continued to do that. And we could talk all day long, all week long, about how he has done that through your entire life, not just in this one year. When it comes to a father, our Heavenly Father has only been loving. He's only been kind, only been faithful to us, even when we have forgotten about him at times. You see, the greatest act of love, as we consider our Heavenly Father, is, is when we go all the way back to the beginning of when he made us his children and when he became our Heavenly Father. You see, we weren't always the, the picture-perfect family, were we? We actually started out as quite a dysfunctional family. Sin came into this world, came into our own lives, and because of that, our future looked worse than an orphanage full of abandoned children. And so our God came to us, and he redeemed us. If you notice what he says here in verse 9 in our lesson. He says this, very simply put, in his love and mercy, he redeemed them. Now, the word redeem is a very unique word. And I think the best example of that word redeem is found in the book of Ruth. And you remember what happened in the book of Ruth. Ruth was a person who, who lost her husband. Her husband had died. And her mother-in-law, her husband died as well. And so it was Ruth and her mother-in-law who really had nothing. At this time, there were no government programs to take care of them. They didn't know what to do. And so... At this time, a redeemer was someone who would, out of the goodness of his heart, pay with his own money to help out a destitute relative so that they would not lose their property. Boaz became the kinsman redeemer to Ruth. He redeemed her. In essence, he saved her. He rescued her and became her husband. And he remained faithful to her. Well, our God redeemed us, and he has remained faithful to us. And the cost to redeem us was far more than just money. No, the cost to redeem us was his son. This child, Jesus, came into this world for us. And, and when Jesus and Mary and Joseph became a family, so did we. That's when we gained our family. And Jesus grew up, he grew up to, to be your perfect substitute. He lived the perfect life in your place because you couldn't do it. And he went to the cross to pay the punishment for all of your sins. He rose from the dead finally to seal your adoption as sons of a loving, faithful father. That's what our father has done for us and how he's taken care of us through the years. 
When it comes to nurture, we could not have had a better father taking care of us, loving us. His faithfulness throughout the generations, even before we were born. But nurture is not all that has formed us, is it? Nature has also taken a toll in our lives, specifically our, our sinful nature. Look at what it says here in verse 8. <coughs> he, that is the Lord, said, Surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. God says to himself, Look at all the incredible things that I have done for my children. Look at my faithfulness to them. Look at all that I've done so that I could adopt them as my children. I sacrificed my own son for them. Surely they won't be false to me. Surely they'll never deceive me. Surely they'll never lie to me. They'll never complain about everything because they know how faithful I am. They know how loving I am to them. My children, they'll never, they'll never uh, deceive each other. They'll never be greedy because I'm always going to provide for them. I always have. They're never going to be worried about every, anything because I'm always going to be there to protect them. I always have been. They'll always be kind to others because they're going to reflect that same love that I showed to them. That's the conversation that God has with himself here. So which one overtakes you more at times? Your sinful nature or the nurture that came from a loving Heavenly Father who's always taking care of you? Which one overtakes us more? Just depends on the day, I guess, right? We don't always act like who we belong to. We don't always act as if we remember all of the great acts of kindness and love for our Heavenly Father towards us. But note again what it says there in that same verse. It says again, He said, Surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me, and so he became their Savior. See, in the, Old, in the Old Testament, God made a covenant, a promise with those Old Testament believers, saying simply this, if you will be faithful to me, I will remain faithful to you. Well, it didn't take very long for those Old Testament believers to break that covenant with God. They were not always faithful to him. But God continued to remain faithful to them. And he's done the same for us, too. Even though we haven't always acted like who we belong to, even though we don't always remember the great acts of kindness of our Lord towards us, he still has remained faithful to us, and that's what Christmas proves, that our Lord has remained faithful to us. He sent his Son for you and me to redeem us and to make us his. And it goes on to talk about the incredible kindness and love of our Lord. In this simple phrase, in verse, look at verse 9. It says, In all their distress, he too was distressed. See, a loving father is someone who becomes distressed when his own children are distressed. I know that for my kids too. When, when my children are sick, I, I think any parent would think this way, that, that if only I, they wouldn't have to suffer, if I could take their place and they wouldn't have to suffer. I can suffer for them. In the same way, when my children become teenagers, there's going to be times I know when I am very worried about them, when they are off somewhere with their friends. I don't know where they are. And whether or not they are in distress, I'm going to feel distressed, worried about where they may or may not be. I know there were times when my poor mother had to deal with me and my brothers 
when we were growing up in our, in our high school and college years. And, and, I, and I know that for a good decade, my mother, my poor mother, did not sleep. I'm pretty sure she did not. And there was one time when I tested out during the, during the summers, when I was in college, I'd come home and, and live with my parents during the, during the summers. And, and just to test it out one time, I got back. I was w- out with my friends, got back around 2 a.m. And I tested out in, in the kitchen, and I just said, Yeah, 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 what, what's, what's going on? What, what do you need? Right? 2 a.m., 2 in the morning, she was still awake because she was thinking about one of her children who were out and about. Right? Our Heavenly Father is the same way. He cares for us. When we are distressed, he is distressed. The difference is that when my children are sick, there's really nothing I can do for them. When my, when my children get to the point of being teenagers and they're out and about, there's really nothing I can do for them except to worry about them until they get home. But for our Heavenly Father, it's different. He is able to cure us. He is able, when we are in danger, to send extra angels to take care of us and to provide for us. See, as we look at this section of Scripture in Isaiah, the whole purpose is to remind you of the kindness and love of our God. Not just as you look back at 2013, and not only as you look back at your whole lives, but even before that. We see the kindness and love of our God who sent his son into this world. Christmas time is a time when we get to remember the Christ child who was born for us, where we get to be reminded again of the faithfulness of our Lord in spite of the fact that we haven't always been faithful to him. And I realize that during Christmas time, there are so many different distractions and the busyness gets to us, and sometimes we don't always, we don't always remember and take time to think about the love and faithfulness and kindness of our Lord at Christmas time. But really, those distractions are all throughout the year. They are. There are always going to be distractions in our life that take away, that cause us to forget about the kindness and love of our God. And that's when that nature, our sinful nature, tends to take over. We fall into doubt. We fall into worry. Because we easily forget about the kindness and love of our God. And so we need to remember. And there's, always, there's only one way to remember, to recall the kindness and, and deeds of our Lord, and that's to go back to God's Word. For me, when I... When I, if it would ever come to the point where I would not appreciate my children, my family, there's one very simple thing that I can do. Turn on the home videos. And when I turn on home videos, it's just, it caused me to laugh. It caused me to smile as I think about how five years ago, what Maddie was like and what when my daughters were like five years ago, right? And all of a sudden, it caused you to realize your blessings, appreciate your family even more. Well, our home videos, spiritually speaking, is God's word where we look at God's word and we recall, we, we remember all the great ways God has taken care of us, not only through our life, but throughout the centuries. God's word is utterly important for us so that we can go back and remember the kindness of our Lord. Today, after, after worship, we're going to have a, a Bible study, kind of a, not a very long Bible study, but a Bible study where we're simply going to Look at a spiritual growth plan for yourself. I want you guys to come up with a spiritual growth plan for you and your family. 
As you look at 2014, how are you going to grow, spiritually speaking? And we're going to be looking at, I have a number of books upstairs that I want you to look at. You can go through what different devotional books are you going to go with, go through with your wife or, or for yourself. How can you challenge yourself this year spiritually so that you can grow in 2014? And I really want you to think about that. We're going to be focusing on that for the next couple of months so you can have a solid and realistic spiritual growth plan for your life so that you remember the kindness of our Lord. But as we remember the kindness of our Lord, especially at Christmas time, that message is not only for us. See, Jesus didn't just redeem you and me. He redeemed the entire world. And so at this time of the year, especially at this time of the year, Christmas, Christmas is my favorite time of year. It really is because it is so unique. Such a unique time of the year because, you see, those angels who sang on Christmas Day when Jesus was born, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, that message has not stopped being sung. It has not. Even now, a few days after Christmas, you can turn on secular radio stations and hear Christmas music playing. And hear the message of the Christ child being born as you hear joy to the world and a little town of Bethlehem. You can hear as you walk around, in the, whether it's in the subway or, or in an elevator, those Christmas carols. You might even hear an atheist whistling to Silent Night or a, or a Muslim tapping his foot to an upbeat rendition of O Come All Ye Faithful. The message of the Christ child continues to be proclaimed. The kindness and love of our Lord. It was a few years ago where I went to uh, Handel's Messiah in Manhattan. Really an incredible performance, but what was so incredible about it was the fact that, I don't know if you know what Handel's Messiah is, but the singers are singing through the prophecies of the Old Testament. They're proclaiming the praises of God to the people who are sitting there listening, thousands of people listening to the praises of God to this Christ child who is going to come for them. And it doesn't matter who they are, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, those people are there listening to the praises of God. And there comes a point in there during the Hallelujah Chorus where everyone must stand up. Atheists, Muslims, agnostic, they stand up and they give honor to the Christ child who was born. The message of Christmas is, continue, is continually being told to the people in this world, whether they like it or not, especially during this time of Christmas. And we have an incredible opportunity to let them, on what, let them in on what all this means, who this Christ child truly is, to tell them of the kindness and love of our Lord as well. We need to be reminded for ourselves, but we also have the opportunity, especially at this time of year, to tell others about the kindness and love of our Lord. Amen.